Here we are back again, Locked On NFL. I'm your co-host, Brian Peacock. Alongside me, the scout, Matt Williamson. Fantasy Friday, running backs on today's show. Uh, every week leading up to the season, getting you ready for your fantasy drafts, we are going to talk fantasy football. Quarterbacks last week, running backs today. There's also some news to get to. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review this podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We are everywhere. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can find Matt on Twitter at Williamson NFL. Matt, let's get right into some of this news. How you doing, man? You pumped for kickoffs? Yeah, I am. How, how are things with you? I'm pretty psyched up. This weekend will be fun. I'm going to try to watch as much as I humanly can. Not easy to do, but at least maybe the half, first half of most of these games. Um, it's great to see the guys out there, though. Yeah, it's back. It's fun. It's It's exciting, even though we're going to see a lot of uh, what some people might call scrubs, which is okay if you're watching your own team. You know, for me, it's like, let's find who that 53rd guy is and then the 10 practice squad guys as I'm hosting Locked On 49ers. For some other teams around the league, maybe not looking at it that in-depth. Yeah, like a nice quarter probably here in, in preseason week one. But there are some players that might play deep into some games that I'm interested in seeing, some rookies especially. It's always fun to see new guys in new uniforms. Yeah, that's actually one of my... It's very fanish, and I think I mentioned it yesterday. I just love seeing the rookies for the first time, you know, in their new uniforms, how they look running around. And there's a lot to take out of these games if you dig hard enough and you, you know observe the depth charts and who who these teams are high on, who they're playing at certain times. So it takes somewhat of a trained eye, but it's good stuff. Yeah, some of these guys fighting for their football lives and their careers, and you might find someone like Adam Thielen playing in the fourth quarter of this game that eventually becomes a real dude. Yeah, right, right. That's where those stories start. Yep, absolutely. Okay, uh, some news around the league first. I guess let's start with those 49ers and just hit with a ton of injuries this week after things had gone so well in 49ers camp up to this point. Jarek McKinnon was activated off the pup list and then still having a little bit of knee pain from his ACL injury that happened about 11 months ago, just over 11 months ago. So they're hoping to get him back, but it's looking like there's maybe a potential he's going to end up on IR, which will definitely affect our running back rankings, I think. And actually, I wasn't super high on Jarek McKinnon to start with. There's another running back in the 49ers backfield that I really love, and we will definitely get into that stuff. But the major injury right now in 49ers camp is Nick Bosa. It's not major in the fact that it's going to hold him out of any regular season games, but he does have a little bit of an injury history ACL in high school, he had the core muscle injury that kept him out all of about three games in his final season at Ohio State. He dealt with a little bit of a soft tissue injury in OTAs, and now he had a 300-pounder roll up on his ankle during a run play in the middle of a pile. And after such a, a fantastic start to his training camp, just a sprained ankle, but it will probably keep him out of the exhibition schedule. Yeah, and multiple sources, including yourself, which is the best source out there, right, of course. has been raving about <laughs> Bosa You know, since he's joined the Niners. I thought he very well could have been the best player in this past draft. Ideally, what they need. Um, their front seven looks very, very strong. By all accounts, it doesn't sound like he'll miss regular season action, but who's to say? Um, I hate to say it this way, but it's better it happened now than the third preseason game or the fourth preseason game. So... I'm cautiously optimistic that he's still right in the defensive rookie of the year conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. And a couple of days ago, I would have said, put money on him winning defensive rookie of the year. He's got to stay yeah. on the field. And there's a lot of fans that are kind of on the edge of the cliff thinking this is going to be an injury prone, 
number two overall pick that we never see get there in his career. I would say back off from the ledge. Let's let it play out. We've seen (laughs) players come back from injuries, and this was just a sprained ankle, a freak injury. Could happen to anybody on any play with a big man rolling up on on your ankle. So uh, I'm not too worried about this Nick Bosa injury. If it was continued, the same injury, or a bunch of soft tissue injuries that he couldn't get over with, it would be a little bit more concerning. But a sprained ankle in camp in the middle of a pile, I'm not worried about it at all. Yeah, right, right. And uh, you're also more dialed in on the McKinnon situation. Are you pessimistic about that one that he's going to play? I think I think if there was potential for major cap savings, I, I would actually say that Jarek McKinnon never carries the ball for the 49ers because they wouldn't want to uh, risk further injury and then, you know, having his future contract become guaranteed. They don't they don't get a, a ton of savings this year. They can cut him after the season and I would be completely shocked basically if Jarek McKinnon was on the 49ers at this time next year and they have two other very capable running backs and so I think they'll take it slow with McKinnon I bet he'll be put on the IR with maybe a designation to return and then if like a lot of teams do the 49ers run into some injury problems with their uh, current running backs that start the season in Matt Breida and Tevin Coleman then maybe you bring him back off of IR and you have some coverage there. But right now, I'm definitely not buying on Jarek McKinnon, at least early in the season. Yeah, I think that's a smart, that's a, a good insider take there, too. Um, I never really understood the signing that much from the beginning. I know he's a really good athlete and spark guy, and he's a former quarterback. I don't see a lot of natural running skills. I think he just runs. I mean, there is skill. I mean, there's there's ability, like I said, but a lot of times he just runs really fast into people and bounces off them or doesn't. And uh, I think they, not that they'll be better off without him, but I think they'll be fine without him. Right. And they don't have to count on him. And last year it was such a late camp injury that they had really built the offense around what they thought he could do in the past game. And I think right. that's what Kyle Shanahan saw in him is his ability to be basically a wide receiver in, uh, in the past game. And he still has that ability, but I'm with you. He's never been the most instinctive runner. And I think with yeah. Matt Breida and Tevin Coleman, to me, he was automatically going to be the third best running back on first and second down. And so you're talking about a pretty pricey player to be just a third down back when the other two guys can also catch the ball, then things get a little bit dicey. Right, right. I, I agree with you. And this actually makes things maybe a little clearer for fantasy, and I, we, we can get into these running backs for sure, but um, I'm not going to spoil too much, but I've been getting Tevin Coleman everywhere I can, and now he's going to be a little pricier, I have a feeling, but I, I'm a big fan. Right, it might adjust, and so it's going to hurt my strategy because I had been targeting uh, another 49ers running back. But yeah, we'll get into that ah, stuff. Good. Another injury in 49ers camp, Jason Verrett. His ankle injury was said to be minor. He sprained his ankle the same day that Nick Bosa did. Uh, it's not quite as minor as they thought, so his preseason is definitely done. And the way I looked at Jason Verrett for the 49ers this year is whatever you get from him is a bonus, but you can't expect him, just with all the injuries that have piled up in his career, you can't expect him to be the guy still, and you also can't expect him to stay healthy. And so that's the way I'm looking at it. Whatever he gives you is great. I don't think you can count on him right now, so they're really hoping Akella Witherspoon wins that right cornerback job. And that's probably the best way to view that, that everything you get from him would have been gravy. You got him at a pretty good, reasonable deal because his stock was so low because of injuries. But this one, I just feel for the player, too. Like, this is a really good corner the last we saw, and it feels like a decade since we've seen him. You know, like, 
the poor guy can't stay healthy. Some bodies aren't made to play football at a professional level. And I hope he gets back because he was an excellent player. Yeah, dynamic. And you hope he still has that quick twitch athleticism. A couple of more notes. Trent Williams, uh, the latest on him. We've talked about his holdout a lot. The latest is that, quote, he's not coming back, period. That's reported by NBC Sports Washington's J.P. Finley. It's huge news. I mean, he, to me, is in conversation for the best left tackle in the league. Still pretty much in his prime. More importantly, to, or as importantly for the Redskins, you know, you have a slow-moving rookie quarterback that absolutely needs to be protected, and you lose your your worst guy or you're going to be forced to trade him or whatever. Um, I could see why he would not be happy with Washington. I mean, if you had to pick all the teams you could play for in the NFL, that would be really low on my list. And I think several teams, you know, the Texans, the Browns, who made a trade today, those two, coincidentally, um, would would certainly be kicking the tires on him. And I would pay him, you know, the going rate. And uh, it's unfortunate for Washington because they probably won't get the return in a trade that he warrants because everyone kind of knows that they're over a barrel. And that's a perfect segue into our next conversation with running backs and that trade, Duke Johnson going from the Cleveland Browns to the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans, I could see them making another deal for Trent Brown or uh, Trent Williams and really uh, solidifying that running game and helping protect their quarterback in Deshaun Watson. How do you feel about that trade and Duke now in Houston? Yeah, let's look at it from both sides because I think it's a, an interesting and a, and a good trade. He wanted out. He made that very public. They at least get a draft pick for a player that they you know th- th- that didn't want to be there. Um, I know they like the Hilliard kid a fair amount as a receiver. I also think Chubb has an awful lot of potential as a uh, receiving threat, untapped potential. We know Kareem Hunt is still looming. He's excellent in the passing game. And that isn't to imply that Duke is just a receiver, but clearly that's his biggest role. I mean, at times he's been their true slot guy. Um, but I do think he's a little bit more runner than, say, a James White or a Theo Riddick. I mean, I think you could hand him the ball five, six times a game. I love it for Houston. And, uh, and, and you know, they just got rid of Foreman, who's not a dynamic receiving back and is coming off a massive injury. Lamar Miller's just a guy. So I think Duke, Mil- or Duke Johnson could really factor in there quite a bit. Um, what's interesting, though, is on a percentage scale, the Texans threw the ball to running backs the lowest percentage of any offense in the league last year. And if you think about it, they had to be low on the tight end list too. I mean, their tight ends don't catch many passes. So I'm hoping they kind of wise up and see the ways of their, you know, the errors of their ways and make Watson have some easier throws to a guy like Duke Johnson, especially considering their protection, which leads us back to Trent Williams. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and hope that they look at it through that lens and utilize this guy in the passing game because running backs in the passing game are maybe the most efficient way of moving the football right now. All right, let's talk running backs, Matt. Get into this Fantasy Friday next. So it's pretty standard conversation with the running back class of 2019 for fantasy football that there's a clear tier there's four players in that top tier we've talked about them before they're being drafted that way uh, let's get into the, the the top guys the early round guys first and then segment three we'll talk a little bit more about sleepers where are you at how do you have those four guys and I'm talking about Saquon Barkley Christian McCaffrey I'm talking about Zeke Elliott and Alvin Kamara is that your top group and how do you have them ranked 
Yeah, I mean, in standard or you know, basic normal leagues that don't have strange rules or super flex or whatever, I feel like in whatever order you love them, those should be the first four picks off the board, basically no matter what. I'm not real staunch in you know, the order right now, but I very much believe Elliott's holdout will not be a factor. So he would be my one, you know, assuming that, that this doesn't go on and on and on. I would probably go Elliott, Barkley, McCaffrey, Kamara, but would be happy with any of the above, to be honest with you. I just don't know Kamara can handle the same workload as a Barkley or Elliott for sure. Barkley's offense scares me a little bit. I think he's the best talent. I just don't know that the Giants are going to accumulate a lot of first downs and touchdowns and whatnot. And McCaffrey, I think, is in a really good offense. I mean, all four of those are easy choices for me. Yeah, those four are the clear top tier. And I, for me, I would put Zeke at four because of the holdout, just in okay. case. I mean, even if he misses, say if he misses one week or two weeks of a holdout, that really changes you know, your overall points and what you're going to get from a running back for the course of the year. So it worries me a little bit. I probably would have him one, though, if not for the holdout. And since it's mm-hmm. such a tight tier, he drops to four just because you might miss him, even if it's for one game. I think that's enough to change that ranking for me. And I still have Saquon one. If I have the 1.1, I'm taking Saquon Barkley. And the offense worries me a little bit. But the, the great thing about Barkley is he's built to carry the load a little bit better than McCaffrey and Kamara, even though Chris McCaffrey's been hitting the weights hard. That dude is looking <laughs> very ripped. Uh, but Saquon Barkley, I mean, Quadzilla, they call him that for a reason. He's just built to carry a load. He's such a dynamic receiver, can make big plays as a receiver too. It's not just, you know, the you know taking the short stuff and, and making a little move maybe on a linebacker and getting a couple yards out of the backfield. He can be a, an absolute weapon, and with that New York Giants wide receiving core, even if they go to throw mode, uh, he's going to be the number one or number two target in the passing game this year, basically. So I still love Saquon Barkley, but that's it. Yeah, Barkley, McCaffrey, Kamara, and Elliott for me. Yeah, and you're happy with that, Neil. Absolutely. So now when it gets to Tier 2, and this is what I, I talked about it with the quarterbacks. You probably hear me say this a lot on Fantasy Fridays is I want that built-in discount. And to me, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, those guys could absolutely give you that 1.1 production and they have the talent to do that. But there is a built-in discount to where you can get them potentially in the second round. I've seen Todd Gurley go in round three. Right. And I kind of have my own tier here in that there's those four and first of all, my, my philosophy, especially this year, is I'm taking backs early and often, even if I'm overspending for them. I want, to, you know, there's 20, maybe 22-ish bell cow every down backs. I want two or three of them to start two in, in a flex. Um, but if I'm fifth in, in the first round, I have 105, and the first four are gone, I wouldn't hesitate at all to take David Johnson. So he's kind of in a tier by himself for me. I think he might catch 100 balls or more. Um, I'm a fan of that offense. I actually just wrote a Kyler Murray article you guys should check out, too. It's on my timeline. I wrote that yesterday. And then there's an asterisk there, too, because if Melvin Gordon gets in camp soon or before my draft, I think he would be that five, you know, like in that sixth spot, too, because I think his situation's pretty good. And I know you love Joe Mixon. You love the talent there. You've talked about how he's physically more talented, in your, uh, in your opinion, than even Todd Gurley. So I got to imagine he's in the conversation there for you. Yes, but there's a little bit of bad mojo. I mean, I wish A.J. Green were playing. I wish Jonah Williams didn't get hurt. Like, what's next? That's a, In terms of talent and the quarterback and a new system, that's sort of a fragile environment. It's untested. And 
or, you know, before those two bad things happened, often on these airwaves, I said something along the lines of, don't sleep on that Bengals offense. This Bengals offense has a chance to be much more productive than you think. Look at it through a Rams lens. So I'm still fine with them, but I don't like the mojo right now either. Yeah, I hear you there. Uh, there's two names that I love that are being drafted in the the late two, mid two, and into the third round area, and that is Nick Chubb and Carryon Johnson. And the news from the last couple of weeks, the guys that were competing for targets in the passing game on both of those offenses have been shipped out of town, which means yeah. right now uh, their ADPs may be catching up a little bit, but I think it's not going to ever catch up to where it should be based on where things start. It's just that's how it works with fantasy football. So Carryon Johnson to me, is the guy that's going to be on almost all of my fantasy teams. Yeah, that's a great call. Um, the one name I just wanted to throw out there, too, that I am extremely high on that I would probably even take over Bell or Connor or maybe Mixon is Dalvin Cook. I mean, the, the, the injuries scare me, but, boy, the system, the Kubiak there really has me excited. Chubb absolutely could end up on a lot of my teams, too. I know people are like, well, Kareem Hunt comes back. You know, guys, that's – like Thanksgiving, you know how much can change in the world by then. And I might be eight and two in my league by then with Nick Chubb, but just getting tons of work. He's immensely talented. I don't think people realize how good he is and what he can do in the passing game. So I think Chubb is going way too early. I mean, if you, if you took Chubb at one eleven, I'd be like, I see it. That's fine with me. I mean, he absolutely could be a top five back next year. Um, we've talked about carry on a fair amount too. I love him. Um, I, I think he should probably go in the top 15 overall. If he's there near the end of the second round, jump all over him. Both those guys are going to have tons of opportunity, um, especially early in the year for the Browns. But should carry on should from start to finish. I would much rather have him than Devontae Freeman or Marlon Mack or Damian Williams. Guys that are going in the same neighborhood. And this is why I think this year, and it's usually not the case for me, is I would want to draft in the first few picks of a fantasy draft this year. And I know you said in your home league, you do a thing where you, you select cards and whoever has the ace gets to choose where they draft. I would maybe right. pick number three overall, because I would know that I could get at least two of those guys. And looking at the ADP right now, I'm going by football guys, ADP carry on Johnson's at three dot six. So he's going nearly halfway through the third round. You could potentially get three of the names we talked about, which is an insane start to your draft. If you're drafting there on that turn from the second to third round. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that'll hold up. <laughs> you know, like if I always do our draft on Labor Day weekend right before the season starts, I can pretty much promise that his his average uh, draft spot will be higher than 3-6 at that point. I'd take him at 2-6, though. I mean, just, Same. He's, I mean, I think you would, too. Absolutely. I absolutely would. Uh, let's take a quick break here, Matt, and get into some of the sleepers that are further down into Tier 3 and beyond for us. Let's start by, and, and we could go through every name, but we don't quite have enough time to do that. Do you have a favorite player that's not going right now in the first couple of rounds that you think could be somebody who is almost a league winner or someone that we're talking about is maybe a first round pick next year and someone that just has a, a league winning capability and skills that you're drafting round four, round five area, mm, or even I later mean than that? I kind of alluded to it, and I think we're going to disagree, but I think Tevin Coleman with your team is set up to have a really big year. Shanahan's familiarity, outside zone experience, not been overworked, proven, excellent receiver, home run ability. 
I mean, as like a tier five guy or my running back three or four, depending how I draft, I think he would land on my team an awful lot. Um, Miles Sanders is interesting too. I know that he puts the ball on the ground a lot and the Eagles don't rush guys out there, but you talk about potential like league winner types. I mean, that's not hard to, to squint and see him in that, in that offense and say, if he gets, you know, a huge chunk of that pie, he could be great this year. Um, this guy's a little more recognized, but Josh Jacobs from the Raiders too can absolutely be on my team for where he's going. Yeah, Josh Jacobs' uh, fourth round range is where he's going right now. And here's the thing with the 49ers backfield is you always want to have as much stock as you can in a Shanahan running back situation. Mm -hmm. And Tevin Coleman's going in a fine spot around the sixth round right now. And I'm fine with Tevin Coleman there, so I'm not against what you're saying with Tevin Coleman. But the guy I'm targeting is Matt Breida because you can get him so late. And he might climb now that there's some question about Jarek McKinnon starting the season. But Matt Breida's going in the 13th round, which is just highway robbery. And I will say, the big selling point on Tevin Coleman is, okay, he's played in Shanahan's system before, and but so has Matt Breida. And Matt Breida right. actually had a better year last year than Tevin Coleman has ever had in his career, including under Shanahan. So Matt Breida, to me, is one of the, the huge steals in this draft and he already was before Jarek McKinnon and I'm a little bit disappointed that this news is coming out because now he's going to rise you know before that Labor Day draft so I won't be able to get Matt Breida as early as I might have been able or as late as I might have been able to get him before right now McKinnon's in around the 11th round Breida in 13 those might flip-flop but you're still getting I think a smoking deal on Matt Breida who potentially could split carries with Coleman and I'd I don't know that he's a worse running back period than Tevin Coleman and could be the leader of that backfield. Yeah, that's well said. I mean, the system's great. I liked his tape a lot from last year. He's one of those guys that even if Coleman is quite good, he could be a flex for you and has, you know, a weekly startability to him. But the only is maybe one injury away from being an RB1, maybe a low-end RB1. And usually I'm not a big worried about injury fantasy owner, but it just seemed like he had 100 injuries last year. Yeah, he he dealt with the same <laughs> ankle, I think, almost all year, but he's a tough guy, and he's not the biggest player in the world, but he played through it. And so he was out there a lot, even though he was kind of dealing with that. And they asked him about that this offseason. He's like, yeah, whatever, it's football. You're going to be hurt. I'm not worried about it. So uh, I love the mentality, and he, he plays a little bit bigger maybe than he is, but he's fast. He was breaking off huge runs. He was gaining seven yards per carry for a big chunk of last season ended up over five yards per carry so I love Matt Breida the big playability he showed a lot more in the passing game as well last year so he could be an every down back for the 49ers and I I don't think they're going to try to rush either guy out there to be the bell cow so it might be a split backfield situation and heck draft both Coleman and Breida and then if one of them's dinged up now you've got the guy for a full game and and that's a, a start a no doubt start every week. Yeah, uh, I hear you. I, I want to talk about the Denver backfield in that light a little bit, too, if you don't mind. Sure. I was really attacking Freeman because I think he fits this new zone scheme really, really well. I thought he played injured quite a bit last year. I mean, if, if we were talking, if we rewound 365 days, Freeman was like a third-round pick, yeah. and he really didn't do anything that that, that he did wrong to, to drop him to where he is now. I think he's the better all-around player than Lindsey. I think Lindsey's more the the change of pace. But they did sign Theo Riddick, and I know that doesn't sound like much, but they gave him real money, and you know he's going to catch a lot of balls. So does Freeman all of a sudden catch 
20 or 30 less balls because of signing a Riddick. I mean, so that kind of put a little damper on that one for me. I love the Miles Sanders call that you made earlier too, and I love the talent there. And I think him playing second fiddle behind Saquon Barkley in college, I think I don't think he had the hype that maybe he deserves, and he was a second round draft pick. And it's mm-hmm. you know reports out of Philly is that he's looked like the guy they thought he was athletically. He just shines over everybody, but we'll see if he actually earns all those touches and all those carries. There's a lot of talent there and a lot of uh, targets to be spread around throughout the offense. But I do love Miles Sanders. I love where he's going. I have no problem taking him at his current ADP. But another rookie, David Montgomery, is an interesting name to me. And there's an opportunity to be the every down back with Tevin Coleman playing, or I mean, Tariq Cohen playing sort of that, you know, pass catching role and being split out and and, and maybe not even playing a, a true running back sort of a role. And I wonder how those carries and touches are going to be dispersed. And it's another backfield sort of like the 49ers where I wouldn't mind having both of those guys, but Montgomery and... Tariq Cohen are going in the same round. They're going almost identical in the same spot. And so depending on how your league's rules are and how bullish you are on the rookie Montgomery, I could see being pretty excited about either one of those players. But I, I want to get your perspective on that. Are you Cohen? Are you Montgomery? Both? Neither? More like neither, although I really like Montgomery as a player. I like both of them as a player, but I think we know what Cohen is. I mean, and he could be a flex for you every week. He's never going to be um, a huge, you know, uh, week week by week starter that's going to win you the league, but he may win you a week here and there for sure. He bests a 70 yarder or whatever. Um, I love Montgomery. I think he's a really good player. I'm almost positive they traded up to get him, which speaks volumes. But they also have Mike Davis, and I think Mike Davis is a quality player. And they gave him pretty good money in free agency, too. I mean, that was before acquiring Montgomery. I like that system. I think that the collectively that running back pie could be a big one. I just wish that it was a little more clear because I it wouldn't shock me at all if in Montgomery's rookie year, or at least the first half of the year, that Davis is maybe even out touching him. He's a good player. Yeah, and if that's the case, then Davis is the guy you're targeting because you can get him in the last round of your draft. Nobody has any hype on him. Everything's on Montgomery right now, so you could really steal him if you think he's going to get a lot of carries early in the season. Uh, You know what backfield I hate is the Washington backfield, and I love Darius Uh, Geis. I I just don't – you can't – I don't know if I can trust his workload and his knee – and then if Adrian Peterson's the guy, you know that that is capped for for how big he could go for your team. And then Chris Thompson is in the mix there as a pass-catching back. I'm just avoiding that altogether. Yeah, and I really liked Geis at LSU. But everything that's happened to him basically since he got, or even before he got drafted, he got drafted later than we thought, um, has been negative at the, at the NFL level. And including his landing spot, may probably losing his left tackle, as we mentioned, Peterson's not going to fall off a cliff. I mean, he's still good. I mean, he's a generational player. I don't want anything to do with Thompson. I mean, he can't stay healthy. Um, I don't want anything to do with their offense, period. How about Baltimore? They're going to run the ball so much. Someone like Justice Hill, who you can take very late in the draft. Uh, I don't know how to attack the Baltimore offense because I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I kind of like, I, I think it's that's a, a, a team where you could sort of buy a little bit late and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with Ingram at cost, but I'm not doing cartwheels over it because he is pricey. He's a good player, but I think uh, Hill's the guy to own, don't don't you? I feel like he is. Just because you can get him so late, it's going to cost you nothing, and he's such a good 
receiver and playmaker. And so, you know, it could be the Alvin Kamara type situation that happened Mm -hmm. in New Orleans all over again for not to that level, of course, for Mark Ingram. Yeah, that's well said. And because he is incredibly talented. He was he's fast. He's athletic. He has pass receiving skills. He's not very good in protection. You know, like when you're watching preseason games, see how he picks up the blitz. I mean, I know that that's a really digging into things, but those are the type of things that will decide how much he plays. And Ingram might be the 1B before you know it. We're almost out of time here, Matt. There's one player I want to ask you about that we skipped over earlier, and I love the player. I just I think it's PTSD from old-time New England Patriots backfields, and I, it's it's kind of a team I always avoid because I'm like, oh, you never know week to week the game plan and how that backfield's going to work. But they drafted a guy in the first round in Sonny Michel, super talented player. I would love to buy there. And if you knew that he was going to be the guy all year and, and get that workload, then I'm fine with his ADP, but it still worries me. Yeah, he won't be on my team. I mean, they just took uh, Harris in the third, or was it second or third round? Higher than I thought he would go. Um, Harris is a little more of a do-everything guy. I kind of have a philosophy when in a good team, you know, the Patriots are a perfect example. Like, I want the Patriot back that's going to cost me the least. because you know, And Michelle's yeah. not cheap. He catches no passes. And that kind of shocked me. I thought he brought more to the table as a receiver. I'm watching him at Georgia. They don't see, feel the same way. And he has girly knees. I mean, that to me is too much of a red flag to be the, what, like the 20 to 25th running back off the board. Mm -hmm. Somebody else can have him. All right, we're out of time, Matt. Good stuff, as always. Be back next Friday with another Fantasy Friday, breaking down wide receivers. And, of course, Monday, we are going to have all of Week 1 preseason action broken down for you right here, Locked on NFL.